Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise, and I want you to open your hearts and allow me to read to you Psalms 91. After the extension, I decided I'll read it all this week, and we'll get back into the children and the young people and our seniors again next week. And if you've got videotapes, please send us so we can work on them. But I just wanted to sit down and read this to you every morning this week. This is, it was discouraging news that we've got two more weeks to go, but the promises of God still remain the same. It will be well with you. This will pass and it will be well. Now remember what faithful God has said to you. Remember what the God of abounding faithfulness has said to you. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He alone is my God and I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every evil trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers and shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Did you hear that? I like the NLT on that. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies at the day, nor dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your right side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils shall not touch you. Did you hear that? These evils shall not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample on lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. Brothers and sisters, seniors, did you hear that? God said, I will reward you with long life. What a promise of God. Let me pray for you today. And let me start by praying for the seniors. I, I just don't believe seniors in letting this fear get a hold of your life. Now, yes, be wise. Yes, be prudent. But seniors, you have no cause to fear. God's faithful promises are your shield and your protection. Father, I lift you all the seniors today. Lord, everywhere they go, people tell them to be afraid. But Father, everything you say tells them to trust in you. Father, I ask that you just take all the fear out of their hearts and minds. I ask that you remind them of all of your faithful promises. I ask that you just take them on a journey back across their life and they see your faithfulness at every step of their life. And Lord, then let a simple rest of faith come into their hearts now today. Father, I pray for the frontliners today. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you that the angels guard them in all their ways. Father, as parents, so many of our parents are so concerned because they can't protect their babies. But Lord, these are your children. These are your sons and daughters also. And you have sent your angels to guard them in all their ways. Let the heart of every parent just have a, a settled rest, Lord, that the heavenly Father has sent his angels to guard them in their way. No, as parents, we can't be there, but, oh, Father, your angels are there, and they do a better job than we do. Let the hearts of every parent be calm. And, Father, let these frontliners only see with their eyes. It shall not touch them, Father. It shall not touch them in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for all of our people with their businesses, from the cupcakes, Lord, to the big businesses. These are difficult days. Every time we make a plan, Lord, something changes, and the plan has to be discounted and changed. There's, there's no clear direction. There's no clear trumpet sound that we can run to. And, Lord, we realize in these times there can't be. But, Father, we also know that you know how to guide us through the middle of this desert. You will let your glory, like a fire 
in, in the night and like a cloud in the day. Guide us day by day. Lord, we're going in a way we've never seen before. We do not know the way. Lord, guide every businessman from small to large. Let your guidance, Father, be there. You promised in your word that we would be led by the Spirit. Lead them by the Spirit, Father. Give them direction. Give them the guidance. You promise that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Let their steps just be ordered, Lord, even when they don't realize they're keeping in step with the Spirit. Let their steps be ordered of the Lord, that they are in the right place at the right time for the right opportunity. I thank you for it, Father. Lord, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters that are sick in their bodies this morning. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you reach within those bodies. Bring life, bring strength, bring health. Father, let there be no fear of the lungs. Just let every lung be clear and open and easy to breathe in Jesus' name. Father, we know our immune systems have been lowered because we've been sheltering, Lord, in homes, and we're not out dealing with the things of life and using our bodies as they were created to be used and mingling with people. But Lord, we just ask that you keep your, keep your people healthy. Keep your people strong, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. Yeah. 
Well, we heard some good news at the end of last week, and we're working very hard on it right now. The government's going to allow us to have church services again at 10% capacity. Uh, we need to get the permission of our local uh, government units, which we started filing for on Friday. So we'll keep you up to date with that. And by Wednesday night, we hope to have announcements for you for a service schedule. Now, you need to help us out with this because we don't know... We, we know what we have to prepare physically, but we don't need know what we need to do to take care of you and what would be best for you. And that's, folks, please, that's our only desire is to do what's best to serve you. Now, how many services shall we do? We've got already the Friday night. We've got the Saturday morning drive-in service for our seniors and those with medical conditions. That will keep going. We've got Saturday night. We've got Sunday morning, 7.30, 10, and 3 o'clock. Now, how many services do we need? I don't know. I don't know how many young people will be coming to the services. I don't know how many seniors will be coming to the services. I don't know where people want to go and where. We've got about 800 seats at Maine, 140 seats at 10% capacity at East and uh, South, and about 70 seat capacity at uh, North Campus. Now, we need to know where you want to go and when you want to go there. Now, you need to talk to us. Text your pastor right away. In fact, right now while you're listening to me, text your district pastor, your campus pastor, give your name, how many people will be coming with you. So like, my name is uh, Juan de la Cruz, and we will have five, including yourself. We will have five people, all right? Uh, and we would like to be at the Sunday morning 7.30 service at main campus, all right? So that will allow us to put things together for that. Now, as we fill up the services, we may have to ask some of you to come to another service. Now, the services will be shorter, I will admit, because it's hard to sing with the mask on, you know, especially the, the surgical mask. You take a deep breath and it goes down around your tonsils, according to Sister Bev. So the worship will be a little shorter. We'll run the services a little shorter. We can clean everything in between services. But for instance, if we need to add some more services on Sunday, we can do 7.30, 10, 12.30, 3, and 5. Okay, we can do that. Uh, or if what you would prefer, we can set up services on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and three or four on Sunday. Just whatever is best for you. Okay, so you talk to us, send us text messages, what would be best for you, who's coming to what service, what you would like us to do. You know what, we don't mind hard work, but we do what we do want to do is do what's best to take care of you. So please, get out your phone, Text that information to your campus pastor as quick as you can. Talk to your family and send us the information. All right, we've got a great testimony for you now. I am Annalyn Tan from Caloocan District 7. We have business a construction supply. Um, God shows us his favor during lockdown. At first, when the government imposed that all business establishment will be closed, but then kami, for the first month, hindi kami na close ka agad. So that's a favor from the Lord. Second is, when the government is still imposed na kailangan magsara, so... Um, nagulat ako, there are some business establishment na naka-yellow ribbon. Ibig sabihin po, um, they have violations and they are being penalized. Ang laki po ng penalty nila. But then for us, um, they give us only notice na kailangan namin magsara. Diba what a great favor from the Lord. We are being covered and we are protected by the mighty hands of God. The other one is our sales just during the time, ang laki. We are so amazed by the work of the Lord na if you think the time is crisis but then our sales ang laki talaga. We never expect na magkaroon kami ng sales na ganun kalaki. God is faithful to us. His favor is really for us. To God be the glory. Well, it's the beginning of a brand new week. We're going to try something new today. Now, I'm going to try it two different ways, one part for the New Testament, one part for the Old Testament. I'll do dark mode on the uh, New Testament, and I'll do light mode on the Old Testament, and we'll see which one works the best for you. And guys, if you say, well, what do you want to do, Pastor? I don't have an opinion. Just whatever works best for you. I can get the fonts a little bit bigger. Now, basically, what I'm using right now is called PDF Reader by XODO. And I'm combining that with my favorite digital Bible. It's the ESV by Crossway. And it's just brilliant. You can write on it and take notes on it, but you have to use it inside of a reader. I use it inside a, an app on my iPad called GoodNotes. It performs beautifully inside GoodNotes. Uh, I'm still learning how to figure out how to do it on a PC. So we'll, we'll try this today. But I, I like... I like the layout. So let's start today in Acts chapter 21, verse 1, uh, in dark mode. All right. 
And when they had departed from them and set sail, we came by straight course to Kos. Now, straight course means they are trying to make up time. So we can remember they're trying to make up time. And the next day to Rhodes, all right, and then from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had come in sight of Cyprus, now remember Cyprus is Paul's first first outing, so to speak, his first place of preaching the gospel with Barnabas in that first evangelistic journey. Leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria, where the home church was Antioch, and landed at Tyre. Now, Paul could have literally traveled by land from Tyre to Jerusalem, but he chose not to. Remember, they have this huge offering that they're taking up for the poor, the church of Jerusalem. So they have to be a little bit more safety conscious. So we say, all right, from there, a ship was to unload its cargo. All right, so he's going to stay on the ship. And I make a note, stay for security. He does not travel by land. He stays on the ship. It's more secure. Remember, they have this great offering from all of these Gentile churches. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there seven days. Now, I want you to notice, when Paul went to a city and he had time to waste, Paul did not waste time. So I want you to notice, he sought out the disciples in the city of Tyre, all right? He sought out the disciples in Tyre. Paul Let me put it a different way. Paul maximizes time. Paul used his time well. Paul was not a man who was going to waste his life playing. Sought out the disciples. He said, there's got to be some people I can help. There's got to be some people I can teach. There's got to be something I can do. And we stayed there for seven days. Now, and through the Spirit, they were telling Paul. Now, through the Spirit... They were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, in my early Bibles, I had a big question mark there. So there were gifts of the Spirit. Now, these people had manifestations of the gift of the Spirit, but they did not understand how to interpret them. They were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. Now, we're going to get back to this gifts of the Spirit thing and not go to Jerusalem in just a few minutes. But it's very important that you begin to understand. God's will was for Paul to go to Jerusalem. But God was warning Paul by the Spirit of what awaited him there. Now, you've got to always understand prophecy in the New Testament. The gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament are never about direction. They are about edification, encouragement, and comfort. Now, God had showed these people by the Spirit that Paul was going to have trouble in Jerusalem. They interpreted what to do. They should not be telling Paul what to do, but they did. When our days were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. I like that. How to say goodbye. In our family, whenever I take a trip, and there won't be any trips for quite a while now, but whenever I had to travel, we would always put our arms around each other and pray together at the door. This is how you say goodbye. You pray. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. So we see how to say goodbye. We see public prayer. They're not embarrassed. And we see a position of prayer. We see kneeling. Now, that's a beautiful way to pray is is on your knees. Now, take it a step farther. And said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Potolomas. That's another city down that border or on on the sea. And we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. Now again, Paul looks for believers. Now, 
This is something that Paul always did. Again, he had a day. Who can I teach? What can I accomplish? I remember as a young man, I, I was always amazed at Uncle Lester. I was traveling with him one time, and we flew into a city, and for some reason, the meeting had to be canceled. I don't even remember what caused the meeting to be canceled. The meeting had to be canceled. So Uncle Lester said, well, I'm not going to sit in a hotel room all night. I said, well, what are we going to do? So he told the pastor, he said, why don't you call a bunch of other pastors here in the city or the leaders of your church, whoever wants to come, and we'll all sit down and we'll have a, a meal together and I'll teach whoever comes. And so the next thing you know, within about three hours, we had about 30 people together and Uncle Lester preached. He said, God gave me a word to preach when I came here and I'm going to preach it. Now, too often today, people waste time. Paul never wasted time. He greeted the brothers, stayed with them for a day. So he's spending time with people. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. Now, this is basically journey over. No more boat. This is the great port city that would now take them up to Jerusalem. This was the Roman fortress. This is that first place we always go when we land and get off the airplane and first stop. And we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. So, all right, I want you to notice that a pastor had a house. Okay? So here, here is a man there. People say, well, Jesus never had a home, foxes and all of that, and so preachers should not have a home. Well, we entered the house of Philip. Philip had a home. But I also want you to notice how he's described here. Philip the Evangelist who was one of the seven. So he's described in two ways. He's described by his office, and he's described by his history. Now, this, this is a beautiful thing, and you just need to park here on this for a moment. Philip had started out as one of the seven, one of the first seven deacons. Philip had seen great revival in Samaria, Philip had evangelized the Ethiopian eunuch. Here is a man that God was using. And we see him going from a position of deacon now to office. So his history is deacon. His present office is evangelist, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So here is a man that because of his faithfulness of service, God one day moved him and said, okay, you've been a faithful deacon, now I'm putting a call to the full-time ministry upon your life, and he's promoted into the office of evangelist. And I want you to notice, Paul, they stayed with him. Now, this is, the, this is long before uh, Airbnb, this is long before hotels, it was a practice of the ministers in those days to practice hospitality. In the early days here in Manila, uh, we didn't put guests in hotels because it was so expensive. We kept them in our home. And I think one year, Sister Bev and I had guests in our home 165 days out of 360 days that year. That was a very, very busy year. But it was considered a beautiful thing for pastors to share their homes with other traveling preachers. And you know what? I, I think we need to get back to some of that. Now, let's look at his house. So the house is big enough to share with Paul and companions, okay? So it says, we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist and stayed with him. So the we shows a large house. Multiple people have joined to stay. And he had four unmarried daughters. So this house not only has to be large for the we, this house has to be large for the four unmarried daughters. So he's got a good-sized family. Who prophesied? <laughs> oh, so we see women in ministry. Now, people grossly interpret the Apostle Paul when he said women should be silent. Uh, you cannot prophesy silently. Okay, so these women were not silent. These four unmarried daughters 
prophesied. So you, you have to take a large look at scriptures and put scriptures with scriptures and then you begin to understand things. While we were staying there for many days, why would they stay there for many days? They needed some rest. Okay, I mean, please, you're not resting on a boat moving around all the time. It's not like a cruise ship is today. This was, this was hard traveling. A prophet named Agabus. Now, do you remember Agabus? He is the same prophet that Paul knew. Paul knew this guy. He was the prophet who came to Antioch of Assyria and prophesied the, the famine, and then they sent an offering to help the poor in the church of Jerusalem. So a prophet comes that Paul knows that he will trust. And this man literally walks in the office of a prophet. Okay? And he came down from Judea. That was his base. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. So this is what we call a demonstrated. I have no idea why that just disappeared. We're learning. Just a second. Let me try to get it back. Let's see. Nope, it just completely disappeared. Sorry. Well, I hope you got that stuff down already. Bound him hand and feet. This is what we would call a demonstrated prophecy. Okay. Bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, now notice, there's no direction. There's no direction in this at all. There is just foretelling. No direction at all, just foretelling. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. This was their decision. We urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Notice, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord, <laughs> let the will of the Lord be done. All right, so we're having fun with this app, so maybe we won't use this for the rest of the show. Uh, and since he would not be persuaded, we, see, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. All right. So Paul says, all right. This, he said, yes, I agree. This is, this is true. What these guys said, what Agabus says is true. Your decision what to do with it, your decision is wrong. He said, and he said, your decision doesn't flow from a bad spirit. He said, you know, it flows from love. You, you care about me, and I understand that, but he said, you just don't understand. I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He said, listen, I'm ready to die. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Now, this is one of the greatest challenges Christians have to understand. Just because God shows you something to do, just because God shows you something that's going to happen, you have to be very careful about the decisions that you make about what to do with that knowledge. It was never to tell Paul not to go. It was to comfort Paul that God knew everything that was about to happen, that God was in control. So after these things, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, all right? So some of them said, we're going to join you on this trip, Paul. You know, we love you, we're concerned about you, we're going to join you on the trip. Bringing us up to the house of Manson of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we would lodge. So again, they need a place to stay partway up to Jerusalem, but they stay in a place of security. Why? They have a lot of money, and people want Paul dead. So let's not stay with a new believer. Let's stay with somebody that we know very well 
who's walked with us for many, many years, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship, and I'll flip back to one note. There is a place. 
Well, we'll go back to OneNote now and we'll continue our reading and writing inside OneNote. I'm sorry we seem to have a little conflict between this new PDF reader called Exodio. It's a free app, okay? So free apps sometimes don't work as well, especially the Crossway digital Bible is kind of a pretty robust thing to put inside of it. So let's go back to good old OneNote. I've been using it for years. Chapter 25, verse 1. David and the chiefs of service also set apart for service the sons of Asaph. Now, I want you to notice the phrase, set apart for service. We are dealing with musicians here. We're dealing with musos. I call them musos, okay? We're dealing with musos. They were set apart for service. Now, it's amazing to me how people think that they can play in the clubs and the honky-tonks and you know, sing all kinds of horrible things with all kinds of horrible lyrics all week long and show up in church and sing for Jesus on Sunday. But it, it seems that many churches want their musicians to be successful in the world, and then because they're successful in the world, we put them on our platforms. No, that's these people were set apart for service. I like that. Set apart for service. Now notice what God did with these people. The sons of Asaph and Haman and of Jephuthan, who prophesied with lyres, with harps, and with cymbals. Now, that's one of the things I put a question mark in my Bible next to. How do you prophesy with a musical instrument? So we must conclude that prophecy is bigger Well, prophecy goes beyond words. That's a better way to say it. Prophecy goes beyond words. So they prophesied with music. Now, again, it, they didn't prophesy with song. They prophesied with musical instruments. Now, I, I think David had a revelation of this, because remember... When David played the harp, the Holy Spirit would, would comfort Saul and demons that tormented him would leave. I think David had an understanding of the spiritual aspect of worship. So there is a spiritual component of music. Not even sung music, just music, period. And before you think that's strange, one of the things you should think about is, okay... Satan was created with musical abilities. And he was to be a guardian cherub in the very presence of God. There's a spiritual aspect of music. And, and I'm not sure I completely comprehend this subject. Sister Bev probably has a much greater revelation on this than I do. But it, it just causes me to stop and go, okay. There's a prophecy just with played music. A guitar player can prophesy on his guitar. Uh, a keyboard player can prophesy on his keyboards. A drummer can prophesy on his drums. There's a, a spiritual thing that flows. To me, that's, that, that needs more exploring. And of the sons of Asaph, Zachor, Joseph. Now remember this Asaph guy. You'll see his name all through the book of Psalms, okay? And this, of the sons of Asaph, Socher, Joseph, Nathaniah, and Azarlah, sons of Asaph, under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied under the direction of the king. All right. So Asaph also prophesied musically. Now, look at all the songs he wrote in Psalms. Now, he did this under the direction of the king. So I wonder if we could say this is a collaboration. Did they collaborate together? You have the greatly skilled musician, and then you have the king, and the king and Asaph collaborated together in writing these beautiful prophetic psalms that we still sing today. Because we know that the Bible says David was a prophet. So these two prophets collaborated together on music. Again, th these are things that you want to explore and study. Of Jehuthun, the sons of Jehuthun, Jedaliah, Zeri, Jesahiah, Shemaiah, Hashabiah, 
and Nethathiah, six under the direction of their father, Jehuthun, who prophesied with the lyre in thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. All right, so again, we have this prophecy with musical instruments, and the purpose was to be thanksgiving and praise. So we see purpose of prophetic worship. I call that PW, prophetic worship. Of Heman and the sons of Heman, Bakuah, Methaniah, Uzel, Shabul, and Jeremoth, Hananiah, Hanani, Elatha, Jerathi, Romati Ezer, Joshbakasha, Malothi, Hatthir, Mahazoath. Hard names. And these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, according to the promise of God to exalt him. For God had given Heman 14 sons and three daughters. So God had made a promise to, to Heman to exalt him. And here is a man leading worship. They were all under the direction of their father in the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres for the service of the house of God. All right, so this was not outside music. Okay? Under the direction of their father. So dad led this musical family in the house of the Lord. The number of them along with their brothers who were trained in singing to the Lord, all who were skillful, was 288. So there was a 288 voice skilled choir. <laughs> I love this. See, you have to read all of this because, see, normally you and I would just go, nya, 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 and we don't want to read all those names, and we miss all these beautiful little truths. They cast a lot for their duties, small and great, teacher and pupil alike. Everybody's treated the same. Everybody should have an opportunity to participate in worship and in the leading of worship in God's house, okay? Small and great, teacher and pupil alike. You cannot just say only the professionals. Does not equal only the professionals. You can't say that. I mean, I've had Christian music worship leaders say, I only want professionals working with me. Oh, so you only want guys from the recording studios who play secular music all week long working with you. Yes. Well, small and great, teacher and pupil alike. That's the way it's supposed to be. The first lot fell for Asaph to Joseph and the second to Jedaliah to him and his brothers and his sons twelve. The third to Zachar, his sons and his brothers twelve. The fourth to Israel, his sons and his brothers twelve. The fifth to Nethaniah, his sons and his brothers twelve. The sixth to Bakuiah, his sons and brothers twelve. The seventh to Jesharlah, his sons and brothers twelve. The eighth to Jeshiah, his sons and brothers twelve. The ninth to Methaniah, his sons and brothers twelve. The tenth to Shmi, his sons and brothers twelve. The eleventh to Azrael, his sons and brothers twelve. The twelfth to Hashbaiah, his sons and brothers twelve. The thirteenth to Shabael, his sons and brothers twelve. The fourteenth to Methathiah, his sons and brothers twelve. The fifteenth to Jeremoth, his sons and brothers twelve. The sixteenth to Hananiah, his sons and brothers twelve. The sixteenth, I'm sorry, the seventeenth to Jashbahakash, his sons and brothers twelve. The eighteenth to Hanani, his sons and brothers twelve. The nineteenth to Malothi, his sons and brothers twelve. The twentieth to Elathah, his sons and brothers twelve. The twenty-first to Hothir, his sons and brothers twelve. The twenty-second to Jedathah, his sons and brothers twelve. The twenty-third to Mahazioth, his sons and brothers twelve. The twenty-fourth to Romati Ezer, his sons and brothers twelve. Now notice, twenty-four days. These were days of the month where they were expected to be doing things in the temple. As for chapter 26, as for the divisions of the gatekeepers, now these were the guys who controlled the entrance and exit of the temple. As for the divisions of the gatekeepers, of the Korathites, Meshelamiah, the son of Korah, of the sons of Asaph, and Meshelamiah had sons, Zechariah the firstborn, Jadiah the second, Zebediah the third, Jathniel the fourth, Elam the fifth, Jehodahanan the sixth, Elihonai the seventh, 
Obed-Edom had sons, and Shemaiah the firstborn, Jehozabad the second, Joah the third, Sakar the fourth, Nathanael the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Issachar the seventh, Peluthai the eighth, for God blessed him. Also to his son Shemaiah were sons born who were rulers in their father's house, for they were men of great ability, okay, who were rulers in their father's house. Who is it that provided leadership? People who had great ability. The sons of Shemaiah, Othni, Rephni, Obed, and Elzabad, whose brothers were able men, Elihu and Shemakiah, all of these were the sons of Obed-Edom with their sons and daughters, able men qualified for service. 62 of Obed-Edom, able men qualified of service. And Meshelamiah had sons and daughters, able men, 18. And Hosha, the sons of Mariah, had sons. Shimri, the chief, though he was not their firstborn, his father made him chief. So you wonder why you put a question mark in your Bible. Hilkiah the second, Tabaliah the third, Zechariah the fourth, and all the sons and brothers of Hosha were thirteen. These are the divisions of the gatekeepers corresponding to their chief men, had duties just as their brothers did, ministering in the house of God. So you have duties. There was a job description for these men that we'll get into in later scriptures. And they cast lots by fathers' houses, small and great alike, for their gates. And a lot fell for the east, fell to Shelemiah. They cast lots also for his son Zechariah, a shrewd counselor. And his lot came out for the north. Now, why is this mentioned? You see, sometimes, folks, you need a gentle counselor, and sometimes you need someone who is a shrewd counselor. Obed-Edom's came out for the south, and his sons was a lot of the gatehouse. From Shupim and Hosha, it came out for the west, at the gate of Shalaketh, on the road that goes up. Watch corresponded to watch. On the east, there were six each day. On the north, four each day. On the south, four each day, and as well as two at two at the gatehouse. And for the colonnade in the west, there were four on the road and two at the colonnade. These were the divisions of the gatekeepers among the Korahites and the sons of Marai. Now, brothers and sisters, this looks like some very detailed stuff, but I want you to understand. David cared about the house of God, and David organized the worship, and David organized the security, and David organized. Sometimes we call it the Davidic worship system. This is a man that really cared. He wanted things done right. Now, Saul didn't care. We saw that Saul had just left the Ark of the Covenant to be abandoned and stuck in a warehouse, you know, and the, the altar was in Gibeon and separated from the Ark. And one day I'll understand what all that means. Why is the Ark separated from the altar of burnt offering? And what did that mean to the spiritual life of Israel that those two things were separated? Because you came into the presence past the offering. Now, there's great truth in there, but... You come from 60 years of neglect to now you come to a man that wanted God's house organized and cared for. He was a man that cared for God's house. And as a reward, well, when we get to the millennium, you and I will watch David still caring for the house of God. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.